a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, and I wish that I had a camera on because just a few minutes ago, I was trying to do a duet with the famous Michael McLean, and I just couldn't keep up. But Michael McLean, you're in studio wait, now. Wait a second. I, felt, I thought you were like Stevie Nicks. <laughs> I felt like I was in the room with Stevie, and, and I was Kenny Loggins, and we were doing our own version. You were definitely Kenny Loggins. Yes, I'll give yes. you that. And, and um, it was kind of – and we – Introduced, and I'm going to reveal this to your vast Drum audience. Roll. Here we go. We did the Etch a Sketch Brain song, <laughs> dedicated to me. That's right, completely right. dedicated to you. And I am now going to steal your line about forgetting things because it's like an Etch a Sketch Brain, and, and, and that was kind perfect. of a countrified we song kinda, too. It kind of did have a little bit of that country. Vibe. And can I just transition from that? Because the truth is, you're a musician and you're an artist, and music just comes to you. So even when we're having a conversation about my memory, it became you grab the guitar, and the next thing we know, that became a really fun song. And is that what it's like to be Michael McLean? Yeah. That, this, that's it. That's all there is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just that. You know, it's interesting. When I, um, when I decided I was going to try to learn to be uh, a professional musician and songwriter, I took a year where I wrote a song, a, a different song every day for a year. My goodness. I, I took Sundays off and um, as if somehow I was observing the Sabbath better if I didn't write a song on. But I literally wrote a song every day for a year. And there were, Rebecca, some of the worst songs that have ever been written. But before I went to bed, I was committed to get at least a verse and a chorus. And I'd, I'd shake it up. So one month, I'd just listen to country music, and I'd write country songs. And one month, it'd just be rock and roll or R&B or a little bit of jazz or theater songs. And, um, and the great thing about that um, commitment to every day write something is you start paying attention to things you wouldn't pay attention to otherwise. You mean parts of your life? Yeah, that... oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I've got to write another song, and instead of, ooh, I love you, baby, 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 and, and moon and June rhyming, it's like, what's going on in life that I can capture? In a, my mother's great line, I love this, my mother used to tell me since I was little that, that there was only one problem with life, and that problem is there's no background music. Mm. If we just had background music, everything would be better, and... and um, and so I started at 11. I started writing songs to be kind of the background music of our lives, funny, cute little songs. And um, and the joke in our family is if I won the lottery, big dough, if I won the lottery, I'd keep writing songs until it was all gone. <laughs> but would you ever really – I mean there are stars. Who was it? Billy Joel who said, I, I just can't. 
I, I can't envision any more songs. When I'm not able to write anything, then, then I'm just going to put the pen down and I'm not going to, to write anymore. He did that for a period of time, which surprised me because normally artists, you do. I, I can understand taking time off, but you do see life in a fourth dimension. I, I believe that, that you do sense and feel and capture uh, the many layers of life. Right. So that surprised me. You know, the Forgotten Carols, that's why we were so pleased to bring you in because of the impact that that music writing, songwriting experience you had years ago has transformed um, Christmas for so many. And I'm, I'm going to say that, not that you're boasting. I don't want you to go, yes, I did. The truth is that there are a lot of people who feel like they've forgotten the true meaning of Christmas. And when we do sit in our seats... And we have a chance to watch and be a part of the Forgotten Carols. We are reminded, and I want to say that it's good for my soul. That's how it feels to me when I am watching the Forgotten Carols. How long ago did you write it? Because this, at first, you performed it all by yourself, correct? In uh, the the book and the songs were released in '91, Christmas of this, yeah, 26 years ago. in a 48-hour period of time, is that right, that you put it all together or correct me? No, what, well, that's kind of close. What happened was I had uh, been asked, the Deseret book uh, had said to me um, back in the late 80s, they said, you know, you're catching on. People kind of like your songs, and we've had some successful albums with you. Would you do a Christmas album? We think it'd be great. I think it'd be a hit. And I said, Why? <laughs> The greatest songs that have ever been written were already written, and they're Christmas songs. How's anybody going to trump Silent Night? How's, how are you going to get anything more spectacular about the Savior than the Messiah? And what's going to be more romantic than Merry Christmas Darling from uh, Karen Carpenter or Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire? I said, it's been done. And they said, well, uh, uh, my good friend Kurt Bester, he, he had this huge success with his uh, – Christmas arrangements and started doing his Christmas show way back in the day. And I said, well, if I had great gifts like Kurt to do arrangements, that would be a great idea. But I'm not a great arranger. And and I'm a storyteller and a songwriter. And I had I had made the film Mr. Kruger's Christmas for the for the church. Which was huge. It was great. Yeah, I love that Christmas tradition of watching Mr. Kruger's Christmas. And it got uh, released internationally. 350 million people in 11 languages had seen this all over the world. So I was into Christmas and and loved it. And um, they said, well, you know, think about it. And I said, I don't think I have anything to contribute to this. My favorite songs are Christmas songs. I can't compete with that. And so I was, uh, I just put it aside. And then back in 1990, that's right, 1990, December 5th, the day after my uh, son Scott's birthday on the 4th, I was noodling around at the piano, and uh, I played this little riff, and I heard myself, as I'm playing the riff, it kind of, the lyric and the melody came together at the same moment, and I'm singing to myself, I am a man forgotten, no one recalls my name. Oh, my gosh, that's interesting. It just came to you. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. thousands of years will fail to fully erase my shame. I turned a prophet quite nicely that day that I turned the couple away, and I started to imagine, well, what if the innkeeper that turned away Joseph and Mary, what if he had a take on Christmas? And I thought, oh, my gosh, no one's ever done that. I got really, really excited about it, and I I started playing with the... um, 
with the melody and the song started to happen. And I thought, this is something special. And then, and this is a true confession um, that I haven't made to too many people, but it's true. My son uh, came to the edge of my little studio door while I'm working on this. And you got to understand, I'm the guy who did those, com- one of the guys, but a lot of those commercials about, about give your children everything, give them your time. Right, and those were legendary. They made us pause and catch our breath as a parent, the fact that kids, we're so busy, do we really need to pay attention to our children? And yes, those are the big moments. That's Those are your commercials, yes. So get this. So my son comes in, and I'm working on this new song that I have been asked to write for two or three years, and it's coming to me, and here's my conflict. The son is standing there saying, hey, Dad, and I'm trying to pretend like he's welcome, but don't interrupt because this is – I'm a songwriter. I mean, this is this really great idea. The muse is here. The, the, the juices are flowing. Don't bug me, kid. But I can't say that because I'm the guy who does the commercials about give your children everything, give them your time. And I am embarrassed, Rebecca, to confess this to you on your show. But I'm trying to – Give body language to get him out of my way because this – don't you understand? I'm doing my job now. But I can't say that because, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm a Mormon guy who's supposed to love my family more than anything. And so there's this conflict going on. So I'm saying, so come on in. And then I'm, I look at my piano notes and, no, no, you're welcome. And I look up briefly and then I go back to the song. And finally I say – because he doesn't leave. I said, do you, do, Scott, do you need anything? And he's he's – 11 or 12, and he goes, which, of course, is 11-year-old, which is stop everything. I am here to talk to you. And I missed it. I missed it. And I said, well, you know, whatever you you need, I'll, I'll stop. But no, you don't have to stop. But please stop. But I didn't get it. Mr. Sensitive songwriter, movie maker guy, missed it. So I, I start, I finish writing the song. And uh, no hard feelings. And I don't realize till three days later that this song that I thought I was writing about the innkeeper who turned away Joseph and Mary was about turning away my own son. Mm. And so the gift for me of spending 26 years singing this song 20 to 30 times at Christmas And listen to this lyric. I'm a man forgotten. No one recalls my name. Thousands of years will fail to fully erase my shame. Oh, but I turned a prophet nicely that day that I turned the couple away. The parallels. I didn't sleep that evening, though I'd sold out my place. Somehow I felt uneasy. There was something about the face. Why do I wish that I'd let them stay? I didn't think he could pay. Or could they have paid? Restless, I left my bedroom. I walked the streets all night, lost in the world I lived in, yet found by a heavenly light. Staring at one bright star in the sky, I heard a baby cry, and I knew where the cry had come from, because I told them where I could go. But I didn't think I could face them, and so I walked slowly home, missing my chance to share in their joy. I never saw the boy. Oh, my gosh. He never would condemn me. I did that on my own. He, and when I apologized to him later, 
blowing this opportunity. He, as kids do, he forgave me instantly. He offered his forgiveness, and ever since then I've known. He lets us choose each hour of each day if we'll let him in to stay. Let him in, Michael. Let your son in. Let the hope and the joy begin. Let him in. Let him in. Let the peace on earth begin. And whether it be in your world today or a crowded Bethlehem inn, you find a way. Make room and let him in. And so in the writing of the song, I think God made me a songwriter because that's how I figure stuff out. That's how I learn things. And and oftentimes it isn't till long after the song is written that I get a chance to process it and go, oh, how did I miss that? And I think there's a there's this my sense of it is, and I don't mean to be too precious about this, but my sense of it is that it's the language in which I recognize the truth. Sometimes I think a song will teach me the truth um, the only way my heart will hear it. And in the case of the forgotten carols, trying to see what's been forgotten about Christmas through the eyes of those who are just like us. I'm the innkeeper. I'm, a, I'm not a bad guy. I'm just too busy. All of us are the innkeeper, aren't we? That's right? right? That's right. And, and, and the more I have heard back from people who have come to the Forgotten Carols, and we've, we've every single year we try to make it clearer and better and well-crafted and well-scripted and expanded. But, this, you know, every character in that show it is some version of something I'm working on. I mean, when the shepherd falls asleep and misses everything, and the only way he knows whether or not the angels came was how he felt about somebody telling him that the angels really came. He didn't see it. He didn't make it to the manger. He didn't see and feel anything except from what other people. Well, we're uh, that's us. We weren't there. We weren't in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. We hear these stories, and there's something magic in the air that makes us feel as if we were there. That's how we learn things. Well, I didn't get that when I was writing it. But it's interesting, though, because as you're expressing that each role and each part of the story is something that is revelatory on, on your life and your perspective from someone who sits in the audience. And if you haven't had a chance, for those who just joined us, this is Michael McLean, uh, famous producer, music writer, and of course, the heart and soul of the Forgotten Carols. Um, that's who's with us today as we're talking about the, the Forgotten Car- Carols coming to Cottonwood High School and a chance for you to see this show on our vantage point the reason why i think art is so valuable whether it be musical theater or film or literature is that as we sit and watch the story we see ourselves we see the people we love and our empathy and compassion and awareness grows from that experience we pause from a busy life and for just a minute we start paying attention. And so the Forgotten Carols is what? The, the forgotten story of the true meaning of Christmas. But there's a lot of meanings in life that we can lose yeah, just, yeah. just because of the frenetic pace of, of being a human being. And, I, and I, I remember asking myself, is the reason that this has had such an incredible life, I mean, 26 years of people, over a million tickets sold to come see me, and I'm not a this brilliant actor, and I'm not the great singer. We've 
brought into the script as it's evolved some spectacular singers and actors. But they don't come to see me because I'm, you know, Laurence Olivier or Dustin Hoffman, and I don't sing like Nathan Pacheco. And boy, isn't he beautiful? Spectacular. Mm-hmm. But we've got guys now, Kyle and Adrian, who are that spectacular. But why do they come? I've asked myself, why do they come? And I think it's a combination of a few things. One is that they hunger for what Christmas is supposed to be about and not what they've been told it is about. And, and if you go on the television, Christmas is not about Jesus, not about how he transforms our lives when we surrender to him or his willingness to enter in and go through things that are impossible with us to give us a feeling of not being alone. It's, well, I was kind. And this is a great principle to be kind. Or I extended myself to someone and it was great. But the idea of I am broken and there is only one who can fix me. And the one who can fix me is the only one in all of eternity, who knows me better than I know myself. And how do we celebrate that he came to this world to give everyone hope when they feel abandoned, forsaken, and alone? And through this Constance um, character... She's the nurse. She's the the nurse. She walks us into the story. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's it's about her journey. She has been shut off emotionally for reasons we don't know at the beginning of the story. And here comes this insane guy she's supposed to be giving his pills to and making sure he takes a nap and he tries to convince her that he has been alive for 2,000 years and she's rolling her eyes this guy is a nut job and he's cute with her and she's a little uncomfortable with that and um, as the story unfolds we find out why she's so shut off and then each one of the carols that have sort of been forgotten ostensibly by the rest of the world are really about her and, and how that happens. Well, when people come see the show and they can see themselves in it, that happens. But the other reason that I think it, this works at Christmas is because people, you get a pass on being religious at Christmas time. Even people who are really suspicious of that's going to be too sentimental or you're going to try to manipulate me into going to church or, you know. I, I'm we just, live in a world where having faith is seen often as a weakness rather that, than a strength, isn't that, it? That's yeah. right. And, and people love to say, I'm not religious, but I do have a spiritual component or whatever. And what I find is that at Christmas time, people open a part of their hearts that for the rest of the year remains sort of closed. And I think it's closed to defend themselves against what they feel in the world. I just, I've, I'm coming off of a long eight-month news fast. I, I, what know, a great time to be on a news fast. Can I, I, for the, someone like me, you didn't get to fast. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. no, no. Mm-hmm. And right. I'm, I'm clinically depressed. I've, I have been for 45 years. I took my meds this morning, so I should be good for the rest of this interview. But I, I cannot deal well with huge conflict and, and uh, demonizing of one another and on any side. You know, and and I I felt like this is not making me better. I I can't I can't allow myself to be distracted by what really matters because I'm arguing or listen to people in our family not be able to sit at dinner because no you voted for the wrong because person. Because it's divisive. Yes, yeah, it's don't a divisive do, time. How could this be that way? You said you can't do it, and and I know this was a side conversation, but humanity can't do it. We, we, none of us are um, enlarged or made better by a divisive um, 
atmosphere. It, it, it hurts us all. What hurts one hurts us all. And, and, and so it's, it's, um, it's wise to step back uh, from, from this. And I'll say not only does the Forgotten Carols give you permission to uh, feel your faith, see your faith, be reminded of your faith, but I believe that it helps make us whole. Mm-hmm. That when we are reminded of things that are bigger than us, the, of powers that are greater than us, of a community of other people that care about the same thing, so that when we're sitting in the auditorium at Cottonwood High, mm-hmm. we're surrounded by other people who for a moment want to pause and just focus on things of the heart that are immeasurable. And, and, and I love that. The Forgotten Carols, it will be at Cottonwood High. What are the dates for the performances? We've got Michelle I, I in the studio. Do you want to? 19, 20, 21, 22. That's very good. Okay, yeah. the 19th or the 23rd, December right. at Cottonwood High. Where are the best places to get the tickets, Michael? ForgottenCarols.com. ForgottenCarols.com. But we can also, uh, along the, the Wasatch Front, uh, we're up at the D Event Center. Okay, thank we're you. We're at... Um, in Ogden. Log- in Ogden, Logan. Mm-hmm. We're uh, at the UCCU thing at Utah Valley University. And we're down in uh, uh, St. George and Richfield. So all of the dates, we're all going to be in Texas and Arizona. But if you go to ForgottenCarols.com, you can see all of the dates. So you said Logan and Ogden and Salt Lake and Provo, Provo and, on St. George. And Richfield, Richfield. and St. George. Okay, Those great. are our Utah shows. And then we'll be in uh, uh, Phoenix and uh, Midland and Midland and Odessa, Texas. Yeehaw. Yeah, which is George Bush territory. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if George and Laura are coming. Do you know, Michelle? It's a big ranch. They it's might have big, to cross. <laughs> uh, we might do a private version for them. But, and and then Dallas, the Dallas area. And then we're going to start the tour just r- the Saturday after um, Thanksgiving in Spokane. And then we go to Idaho Falls and Burley. Have you re-released the music of the Forgotten Carols because it's been out available on CD? Oh, this is this is mm-hmm. good. This year, if you come to the show, we have the CD of this year's cast. So the very people that you see performing are singing the songs, and then this news flash. I am so excited about this. After twenty-six years, I have added a new carol. At the end of the show, I am introducing to this audience a new carol. And the reason I bring this up is because we were talking about this. You reminded me of this when we were chatting. The very thing that happens at Christmas, which is we allow ourselves to pause, and when we stop long enough to consider the possibility that we're not alone and that Jesus came to do what he said he did, I think what happens is just stopping, just turning off what's out there and allowing this to happen enables us to feel something that's it's almost like it's a testimony of Christmas time that the fact that we all kind of feel this this time of year it's almost like the universe is witnessing you know peace on earth did come and it came in the form of, of Jesus who does this but it's hard to believe that there's a Jesus who loves us if we don't know people who love us it's hard to believe that there's this Jesus who forgives us when we mess up and helps us move forward if we don't know people who forgive us when we mess up who or who are not judgmental in a way that just keeps us being discouraged and depressed, unless we know humans that are like that. So I thought, wouldn't this Uncle John character, who may or may not be John the Beloved, if this John the Beloved character, for this guy who knew Jesus, every day is Christmas, 
the only the only thing that matters to him is helping people connect with that being in a way that is relevant and meaningful to them. So I wrote this song as if, in the Forgotten Carol story that I've been telling for 25 years, every song and every ornament that accompanies those songs is meant just for Connie Lou. And the metaphor is, yeah, God may have come to save us all, but Jesus came to save me. He came for me. He did all this work. And Uncle John, who's his surrogate, he did everything over hundreds of years just for me. And my thought would be, wouldn't it be interesting if Uncle John had a carol for the audience? What if the audience never got their ornament? They get to watch Connie Lou receive her ornaments and her songs and feel transformed. What if we offered them an opportunity to have their own ornament and the or- their own ornament connected to a song from John, which is called 1225-365, which is for 1225, the date of Christmas. All year long. 365 days a year. So I wrote this new song that will be presented, and those who come this year, not only will they get to hear it and hopefully be moved by it, but we'll offer them, um, I've partnered up with this really great uh, organization called Warm Hearts, who help homeless kids on the street, youth on the street. And we're going to sell this ornament I created so that they can have it not just on their tree at Christmas time, but on their fridge all year long. I love or it. Whatever. And it's 1225-365. So I hope folks will... Uh, and it'll benefit Warm Hearts. Warm Hearts can campaign. I, can I, just for a minute, I, I we've got to wrap up, but for those who may not be able to attend ForgottenCarols.com, we want everyone to, will they have a chance to get this ornament yes. outside of that? I, I know we can get the music, we can get tickets at ForgottenCarols.com. So I'm just going to put that out there, like dangling on a branch of a tree. Yes. Look for opportunities to get this ornament. and Because the idea of giving... And saying, this I bought for you because it helps warm hearts and it's something that I love to me. There's, this is the time of year we love to give meaningful gifts to others. And That's right. It sounds so, like and, so, nice. and, and, and it's, um, gosh, I don't have it in front of mm-hmm. me, Warm Hearts Campaign. Uh, and they're raising money not just through our partnership with the Forgotten Carols. And if you go on to our uh, Forgotten Carols fan page, the Forgotten, Forgotten Carols Facebook page. Yes. We did a live stream Sunday night in which uh, Matt, who was the head of Warm Hearts campaign, we were all assembling the ornaments and talking and singing. So go to go to the Facebook page for Forgotten Carols and you can see the what ornament. it's all about and then learn other ways that you can contribute. I love the idea of having an ornament that you can have on your rear view mirror or in on your fridge or all year long. And it says, never a day passing away when we're not remembering. What a beautiful token of the spirit of Christmas. Michael McLean, I have absolutely loved having you in studio. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I will see you at Cottonwood High. The Forgotten Carols coming December 19th through the 23rd at Cottonwood High, but of course, other performances all throughout the state of Utah, Ogden and Logan, Provo, as we mentioned, Richfield, St. George, uh, throughout other states, Arizona and Texas as well. So you can get those tickets at ForgottenCarols.com. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.